is wired up. Wired up. <laughs> well, I checked to see if this is a bomb. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think that'll happen. Chris and I have been, as he said, been together a long time. We're still together. He's up here and I'm down there, but we're still together. Our hearts are still together. Twenty-some-odd years ago, I pastored the church there, and I looked up one Sunday morning. There was a, a man that I know came in the door, and he had a young man with him, and uh, the man was Chris's father. And Chris had come to church out there with him, and he and I didn't know each other. And I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> and I said, he'll never make it. He'll make it. But he came back, I believe, the next Sunday and just kept coming. And uh, soon it got up to... 20 years. He was there 20 years with me, and uh, he was uh, he was my right arm. He was a preacher. He was uh, uh, one who could uh, settle down anything that might come up. You know, things do come up in churches sometimes. But he did a great job there, and I do appreciate him. And then one time I took him, brought him up here to Nashville, uh, to Brother Sasser's church. And uh, I noticed while he was sitting there that his eyes were on a young lady. And I said, what are you looking at, Chris? And he said, what do you think? <laughs> And that young lady was with Zicky, and it wasn't long till he had invited her down to Houston, and she came and stayed in uh, our home. My wife and I stayed with us, and went out with Chris each night, and it wasn't long until, of course, they were married, and then they had those three children, and but it's just been such a such a joy to know Brother Chris Cunningham. It's always good to know a good man. And you've got a good man here, I'll tell you. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he preaches. He preaches Christ. And that's the kind of men I like, the ones who preach Christ and tell of the Savior. But anyway, Brother Chris has been my friend a long time and will be, I hope, until the day I leave this earth. And uh, Brother Glenn Hansen came with me. He came out there, I don't know how long ago. It's been several years. And uh, he's been my right-hand man. One of them, I have several good men 
that can preach and fill in for me and take care of what I can't take care of. And uh, Brother Glenn has been a real blessing. I can't, I don't travel by myself anymore. I have to have a little help to travel. I have some infirmities that uh, might go south any time, so I have to have someone travel with me. So he came with me, and he's glad to do that because he and, he and Chris are real good friends and have been since the day he came out there to be in the church. And that's a little bit of the story of what we have there. We have some delightful, delightful people there in Duquesne, Texas, right outside of Houston. And uh, I hope someday somebody can come down to a meeting there. Uh, we'll be having Brother Henry Mahan on uh, November 10 through 12. I'd invite uh, some of you to load up and come down and hear Brother Mahan be with us in the meeting. And if you can, I don't want you to miss Brother Chris's service, you know, unless you just want to. <laughs> but uh, come if you can sometime down to New Caney, Texas, and be with us. I've seen some old friends here that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it's good to see you, good to meet new friends. I hope to be friends with all of you in the days ahead, as God permits me to be here. Now may God bless you as we look at the Word of God today. Look at uh, the scripture that Glenn read, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, I'll just read two verses, that's the ones that I'll talk about. Isaiah 40, verse 1, and this will be the subject that I have, this first word in verse 1, comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. All the sins are washed away, and therefore she's to be comforted. Now, many of you, I guess... Probably most of you know the Lord Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of sin. I trust that you do. And if you do not, I pray that tonight might be the night that you would be brought into the knowledge of our blessed Savior. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Now, we know that earthly fathers can give their families comfort in this life. But I want us to consider tonight how our Heavenly Father comforts His children. 
What is your comfort? What's your comfort in this life? What about in death? What is your comfort in death? Comfort is something that everyone wants to have. You ought to be comforted, do you not? I do. I like comfort. To have peace of mind. To be relieved from misery. And to possess contentment and inner calm. Everyone desires that, I know. But I think comfort is something very few people really possess. Comfort, for some, comfort is when things go well in this life and uh, when you have all that you want, you have good health, you have few problems, that's comfort to some people. Others would say that comfort is the ability to brush away the bad and to have a strong will and to take the bitter with the sweet. That's comfort. If you can just take it, you know, when something bad happens, you can take it and get over it. And still others say that comfort is to escape the realities of life, whether that be done by vacations or pills or liquor or whatever it takes to escape the realities of life. There are many things by which you can escape reality. The only thing wrong with that is that reality always comes back. But comfort is something we need. Take, for instance, if someone is in the hospital suffering from the pain of cancer. I have a brother-in-law in the hospital there in Texas. He doesn't have very long to go. And uh, he has very bad cancer that has really come on. And he has big lumps on his shoulders and neck of cancerous growth. And so he's not very long, not very long. Now, if you were to ask such a person, what is your comfort? He might answer that his friends have overwhelmed him with gifts and visits are that he has the best doctors money can buy. And that's a comfort. What would you say to comfort this person? Would you say, well, things uh, could always be worse? No, not to my brother-in-law. They couldn't be any worse. Death is the only thing that would be better we say death's always worse. No, death can be better. Would you say, cheer up, there'll be better days ahead? No, not for that man. There won't be better days ahead. And the only hope that he has is that a few weeks ago, 
he did to someone say that he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. His wife is a Christian lady. And he told her that he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I take good stock in that, and I trust that that's so. Now, take another example. Not someone who's desperately ill, but think about the funeral home. What words of comfort would you speak at the funeral home? Some say that comfort is looking at all the good the person who died did in this life. And others might say that death, well, death is natural, and what matters is only that we enjoy life and use it while we're here. And still, others weighed down with great sorrow would just frankly admit to you that there is no comfort to be found in this life. There's no place where men do not weep. So what consolation would you give to someone who said that? You're going to face all these things. In opposition to all worldly ideas of comfort and man's attempts of consoling a person in grief, the Christian, what is a Christian? It's a person that lives in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus lives in him or her. That's what a Christian is. And no matter what his life may be, if he has the Lord Jesus Christ abiding in him, he has the only comfort in both life and death. And I'll be frank with you, there is no other comfort but Christ. His comfort rests upon the Bible, the Word of God. That's what Brother Glenn read there at Isaiah 40 in verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. It shall stand forever. Isaiah the prophet is commanded to proclaim God's word in Isaiah 41 and 2. Comfort ye, saith my God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. All the sins are gone. And the thing that takes away all of the comfort of people in this life is the fact of sin. And when you come to the place where Sin is taken away, then you will find the real 
comfort. There the comforting word is that Jerusalem's iniquity is pardoned and the warfare is finished. She has received from God the forgiveness of her sins. And Isaiah voices that same soothing word in Isaiah 52 and verse 9. Isaiah 52, 9. Break forth into joy, sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Redemption. We have been redeemed. Have you been redeemed? I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there again, the scripture identifies comfort with redemption, both places. Redemption is comfort. That is the forgiveness of sins by the grace of God. That's all the comfort that we have in this life or in the life to come. Read with me what the Apostle Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now there God is identified as the God of all comfort. There is no comfort anywhere else. He is the God of all comfort. That is, all comfort proceeds from him, and all comfort is found only in fellowship with him. He is the one able to comfort us in all of our tribulations. Do you have tribulation tonight? Do you have discomfort? Are you discomfited in this life? I want to tell you that our God is the God of all comfort. And the purpose for which God comforts us is that we may be able, what? This says to comfort them which are in any trouble. God comforts us that we might be able to comfort someone else. Those who are in trouble, we comfort them. How long since you've comforted somebody that's in much trouble? Do you look for people in trouble to comfort? Oh, may God move on the hearts of his people to look for people to comfort in this life. The greatest thing that you and I can do is to go and tell someone 
of the mercies of the Lord Jesus Christ in his shed blood on Calvary. There is comfort. And whenever I find someone that needs comfort, I say, let me tell you about one who is all comfort. His name is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in flesh. And I'll tell you about him. Now, we could summarize what the Bible teaches about comfort and we could give the following definition. Now listen to the following definition of comfort. Comfort is knowing that I am not my own, but I belong in body and soul to Jesus Christ, who has purchased me with his blood so that my sins are forgiven, and I am given eternal life. I shall live forever. You talk about comfort. Jack Shanks is living forever right now. And therefore, I'm comforted in this life. And when I have all of these problems that I've come up against the last few months, I'm still comforted because I have eternal life in Christ. And if he takes this life from me, I'll be so glad of it because I go immediately into his presence and I worship him. And I'll be one of those around that throne that worship the Son of God forever. And so I am comforted in this life because I am not my own. I belong to him. How wonderful that I in life or in death belong to Christ Jesus. And that's the way Paul put it. He said, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Now, my friend, there's comfort for you. How do you like that? You belong to him. You belong to him. I belong to him. To him. To him. I'm talking about him. He's the one whom to know is life eternal, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I can do one thing while I'm up here with you these two days, it's to bring you comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be comforted. I know some of you have a hard life. You have a hard time. But listen, even in a hard time, be comforted in the Lord Jesus Christ because he is comfort. And that comfort which proceeds from God consists of two parts. First, Christian comfort is the knowledge that I am not my own. I am neither independent and I am not self 
reliant. And so Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6.19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? Don't you know that? Well, then why do you get downhearted and despondent? Why are you without comfort? Don't you know that you're not your own? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You're not your own. Don't you know that? Stop despairing. Lift up your chin. Lift up your shoulders. And march out tomorrow into the battle. Because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this means that the child of God does not rely upon himself. Or any product of man's wisdom for his comfort. This is, of course, contrary to what we would like to think. In pride, we can think at times that our own mind, that our own strength will be able to see us through our troubles. My friends, you cannot get through your troubles on your own. Christian comfort is the confession that I am not my own. For you see, if I were my own, then I would be personally responsible for an enormous debt of sin which I could never wipe out, but only increase daily if I were responsible for myself. And so firstly, the comfort which proceeds from God is the knowledge that I'm not my own. And then secondly, true comfort is the knowledge that I do belong to my faithful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I do. I do. I belong to him. And this is true because Christ Jesus purchased me with his blood on Calvary where he redeemed me for my sins and made me his possession. You were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received from anyone else but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And because the Lord Jesus by grace purchased me with his blood upon the cross, when his blood dropped to the ground, every drop of that blood purchased me. I purchased with that blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, belonging to Christ means that I am united inseparably to him by faith. It means that I am his property, 
that he owns me and is also accountable for me, both body and soul, in life and in death, in time and eternity. He is responsible for me. And it implies that he is responsible for every part of me, and he must keep me and lead me to the eternal glory of his kingdom. And more, it means that he rules me by his spirit and his grace, and as my Lord, he gives me all that I need for body and so, and I may therefore rely upon him, and I cast all my care upon him, for he careth for me. You know that scripture that Peter wrote, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Paul said, I live yet, not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Beautiful scripture. So all things are now controlled by Christ who is at God's right hand, and all the events of my life, all the events that I'm going through now and that I've gone through in the last few weeks are used by Christ for my good and spiritual profit. And all the problems and pains of this present life, and they are many, cannot crush me or sever the blessed union that Christ by grace has established with me. And it was in full consciousness that I belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ that caused Paul to utter those beautiful words in Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Beautiful words. So in conclusion, notice two things, will you please? Get these two things. In the first place, this is an exclusive comfort. There is nothing else in the whole world that can comfort you. It's not the highest comfort. It's not the best comfort. It's not the chief comfort. It is the only comfort. Comfort is not that I belong to the Lord Jesus and that I'm healthy, wealthy, and strong. No. Comfort is not that I belong to him and have a good insurance policy. No. To have anything alongside this exclusive comfort is to forfeit the comfort itself. 
I have nothing else but the comfort of Christ, and the only comfort is to belong completely to the Lord Jesus Christ in life and death. So this comfort is the exclusive comfort. And then secondly, this also is an all-sufficient comfort. It's sufficient for every circumstance. It's sufficient for everything in life and for all the horrors of death. The horrors of death. My wife and I had two wonderful boys. One was 23, the other one was 18. Our grandchildren. And we got the word one night that the youngest one, the 18-year-old, had been hit by a train, and he was dead. Well, I've got to have that comfort now. Lord, I've got to have that comfort. There's that boy lying out on the railroad track, dead, 18 years old. And then a few weeks later, a neighbor of our daughter's called and said, you need to come over here and see about your daughter. And so we went, and the 23-year-old grandson lay down to sleep and never woke up. He died in his sleep. Dead. Both of them dead. And our daughter, she lost her husband a few years before that. And he ran into an 18-wheeler and he died. And then both of her boys You think we don't need comfort? You think we don't have comfort? I'm able to go through day by day with the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those two boys are gone. But I tell you what, I'm comforted. And as bad as that hurt, and as bad sometime I'll be walking in the yard now, and I'll see those two boys there taking care of the yard for me. One of them mowed it, and the other one did other things. They took care of my yard. And I can see them out there. But it doesn't discomfort me, because my comfort is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say to you, My friend, if you don't know him, and you have those days coming, you better get acquainted with him right now, because you'll not be able to make it. Not be able to make it. No matter what evil may enter my life, belonging to Christ means that he comforts me. 
and sends whatever it is for my profit. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. You believe that? All things. I'll tell this story again. I told it, I guess, everywhere in the world almost, but I'll tell it again. There was a a king of a country and he had a friend. And uh, that friend, every time anything would happen, no matter what it was, he'd say, this is good. This is good. And so one day they went out on a hunting trip and the friend would load the king's guns and the king would do the shooting. And uh, he loaded a gun for the king and uh, the king pulled the trigger and the gun blew up and blew his thumb off. His friend looked at that and he said, this is good. And the king said, no, this is not good. And he took him and put him in jail. And about a year later, the king was out hunting again, and he was in a region where there were cannibals, and sure enough, the cannibals captured the king, and they had him tied up and were just about to drop him in the pot and cook him when they noticed that he had a thumb missing. They had a superstition in that tribe that if they ate a person who was not whole, all of them would die. And he's not whole, he's missing a thumb. And so they turned the king loose. And he thought about his friend down there in jail. And he went down and got his friend out and he said, I'm so sorry that I put you in jail. And his friend said, no, this is good. Well, he said, how can it be good that I put you in jail for a year? And he said, well, if I hadn't been in jail, I'd have been with you. (laughs) You see the good, don't you? (laughs) That's good. He didn't want to be with him. Yeah, this is good. Can you say this is good, no matter what? This is good. This is good. Oh. I'm never out of the hands of my Lord and all, that all things serve in one way or another my good. We don't always know how that is because things look so bad. We can't always explain how the evil is for our good, but comfort is to believe that it is for our good. That's comfort. And when the evil things befall us, comfort is knowing that God sent it for our good, and in Christ, it also gives us grace to bear it in thanksgiving. 
we give thanks unto God no matter what happens. And this is what the Holy Spirit meant when he said all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, them that are called according to his purpose. That's what he meant. Is your only comfort found in this, that you belong not to yourself, but you belong to the faithful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that, is he your comfort? Then sincerely live unto him in thanksgiving all the days of your life. And I hope what I've said tonight will bring someone here just a little comfort from the Lord. Look to Him. I don't know your problems, but He will comfort you in all things. May God bless you.